0: Hello and welcome to the Your Personal Journey with Food podcast hosted by Tracy Cromwell, your Certified Integrative Nutrition Health Coach, Precision Nutrition Health Coach, Pro Coach, National Academy of Sports Medicine Personal Trainer, and Weight Loss Expert, and International Best Selling Author. I am a recovered pre-diabetic, recovered yo-yo dieter, and recovered body loather. On my podcast, I will be discussing all areas of life that impact your health. That's home environment, physical activity, health, joy, spirituality, relationships, finances, creativity social life, career, education, and yes, home cooking. I will also be bringing you experts from each of these areas of your life to help you create the ideal, healthy, and supportive relationship, not only with your food, but with yourself, and therefore with your life. I appreciate you being here. Now, let's get started. Good evening, everyone. It's Tough Love Tuesday here with your coach Tracy Cromwell and um, recovered pre-diabetic Tracy Cromwell. Um, Tonight I'm going to be talking about a pretty serious topic, um, pre-diabetes and also type 2 diabetes. I won't be talking about type 1 diabetes, just pre-diabetes and type to diabetes. And um, so welcome to the show. Um, As you all may know, of course, I'm an integrative nutrition health coach. That means I'm focusing on all aspects that affect our lives and our health. So that's career, education, health, food, physical activity, social life, um, spirituality, all of those things and others affect our health and create our life story. And so tonight I am focusing on health, which is also going to focus on physical activity and also on food and finances, really, Um, which means the topic of pre-diabetes to start. And then I'm going to talk a bit again, like I said, about type two diabetes. So it's tough love Tuesday, and I'm going to give you some tough love about these topics. So as I noted in the um, the post for this, it's pretty scary um, what's going on with us um, in the United States in regard to our health and prediabetes and type 2 diabetes, both are lifestyle chronic illnesses. What does that mean? It means because of the way we live, we create these diseases for ourselves. Um in the um, information I'm about to give, you know, some people in their DNA, they're more apt to get um, pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes. But again, um, as, they've, uh, as we've learned a lot lately in science, um, there's something called gene expression. So just because your family has it doesn't mean you have to have it. Your lifestyle can trigger. Um, the a disease or an illness to um, happen in you. And so anyway, I'm going to talk about the um, aspects of prediabetes tonight, um, how it can create type two diabetes, and what does that mean to you? And also, um, how you have opportunity if you're pre diabetic, to change your stars like I did and also um just other aspects of it as well in terms of what's happening to our kids what's happening to our kids type 2 diabetes pre-diabetes used to be an old person's disease um meaning you know an adult someone older in life and and as the years progress more and more younger people are getting diabetes and pre-diabetes and um it doesn't have to be like that. And so anyway, um, yeah, it's a serious health problem. Um, so the information I'm bringing you tonight is from actually the Centers Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the Mayo Clinic, also um, very, very interesting document. From, it's called the National Diabetes Statistic Report from 2020. And then also from the UNC Health Talk. Um, So prediabetes is really serious. Um, And that's basically when blood sugar levels are higher than normal, you know, but not yet high enough to be diagnosed as a type 2 diabetic. Um, But get this, approximately 88 million American adults, that's more than one in three, have prediabetes. So if you're in a group right now or sitting at work, in a group of 15 people, guess what? There are several of you who are probably pre-diabetic in that group. Um, the scary part on that is that of those that are pre-diabetic, more than 84 per- 84% don't even know it. Um, and so you don't even know that you're pre-diabetic and that you're heading to um, a life as a possible two, type 2 diabetic and all the health challenges that that brings, okay? So, The good news is, and I can tell you this from my own experience, is you can reverse prediabetes. You do not have to become um, a type 2 diabetic and living a life with insulin and all the other aspects that can happen with type type 2 diabetes. So um, when I was diagnosed in 2006, I probably been walking around with it for like a year or or more. And um, all I know is I just didn't feel right. I didn't feel good. Um, I hadn't been exercising. I had put on weight. Um, I was enjoying a lot of um, wine and chocolate pairing and, um, you know, food that I really, you know, knew that wasn't good for me, but I just had no connection as to how it was affecting me. And so um, had basically lost sight of, you know, the ways I had eaten before that, you know, and I had actually been a vegetarian for a long time and very active. And I got into a state of, of, of in my life that so much had changed. I got off kilter and um, was working a very stressful job. And so I lost sight of taking care of myself and ended up pre-diabetic. So um, anyway, um, Signs and symptoms of pre-diabetes. So basically if you're overweight, that's a sign you could be pre-diabetic and don't know it. Um, 45 years and older, but I was, I think I was 39, uh, 38, 39 when I was diagnosed. So, um, so basically age, and as I was saying, um, these diseases, pre-diabetes and type two diabetes are affecting more and more Americans and affecting more and more children you know, which is very scary. So um, yes. um, So being overweight, and I noticed in almost all this, all the study information, that was a real high cause for prediabetes. Having a parent, brother or sister with type two diabetes, so you could have a DNA connection. But as I said before, you have the opportunity through healthy lifestyle um, and supportive food lifestyle, that you don't have to trigger a DNA response, you know, for for you to actually have the um, the you aren't destined. Let's put it this way: you're not destined. All right, you have a choice, so that's exciting. Uh, let's see um, activity level. So if you're active less than three times a week or very sedentary lifestyle, you're more susceptible to become prediabetic. Um, and then if you have gestational diabetes, so that's if you were a woman and you had diabetes during pregnancy um, or giving birth to a baby who weighed more than nine pounds, that can lend you more, um, I don't want to say it this way, more opportunity to become pre-diabetic or diabetic. And um, and then having polycystic ovary syndrome. So it's interesting, there's other, there's a, these things that can trigger you to be to have higher blood sugar levels and become a pre-diabetic but um and then also they found out too and this is interesting is that some ethnicities um increase the opportunity the way the body's dna is set to um to be more susceptible to prediabetes and diabetes. And so that's African-Americans, Hispanic, Latinos, Americans, American Indians, um, Pacific Islanders, and some Asian-Americans are at higher risk. And it's just that their DNA is that, I was reading like of a hunter gatherer. And so their DNA is meant to store, um, store fat more than other, DNA strands. And so, so when you have a body type like that, you have to eat different, you know, that, you know, the way your body's DNA is set to. And so in America and now almost everywhere around the world, we have so much food, so much processed food, and we we live in the plenty, but also this food is very low in nutrients, you know? So we're basically overeating, but we're still starving. Getting lots of calories, but we're nutritionally starving in this American standard diet, and um, and that can cause a lot of problems for our body. And so that was very um, interesting, um, you know, information. So so knowing your your ethnicity is really helpful, and knowing how you'll want to modify your food and the way, what types of food that you you pick. So for me, I know there's certain foods that make me feel awful. I know there's certain foods that will make me gain weight, certain foods that will add, um, I will bloat, you know, um, and retain water. Um, there's certain foods that make me feel amazing, make me feel light, make me full of energy. And so, when I went through this process having to reverse my pre-diabetes, I started to pay attention to those things. And, and this was before I was a health coach. But the reason I became a health coach was because I went through this journey, not knowing what to do, diagnosed, and kind of just lost, you know, and all I was told was, Hey, you can fix this, just, you know, eat less, you know, refined carbs and more whole grains. So off I went on four years of yo-yo dieting and struggling to reverse my diagnosis. And so um, anyway, um, it can be done, you can do it. And there's great great um, results too. even if you have already passed into, you know, the concept that you are type two diabetic, there's still amazing opportunity for you to live a vibrant, wonderful life with lifestyle habits that that support you. So um, a diagnosis does not have to mean that it's over for you. And that you just sit in a couch all day and, and Wish that you had made better choices in the past. The body's pretty amazing, and so what I want to do is give you lots of hope. When I, you know, again, give you a lot of hope here that you can do something about it. Okay, so again, um, pre-diabetes, which we're talking about, means that you have a higher than normal blood sugar level, but again, it's not high enough to be diagnosed as a type two diabetic yet. Um, but with that lifestyle changes. Adults and kids with prediabetes are more likely to develop type two diabetes. Um, so, if you have pre-diabetes, if you have prediabetes, long-term damage of diabetes um, is, you know, can be damage to your heart, your blood vessels, and kidneys, and all of that could already be starting at prediabetes. So, um, the great thing again, and that's from the Mayo Clinic, is that you can do something about it. Um, When I wrote in uh, my first opportunity to be in a book was One Crazy Broccoli, I told my story about changing my stars, you know, and um, having some hope that maybe I could reverse this chronic disease I had, you know, basically given myself. And so um, it's not inevitable, or if I wanna say, you do not have to become a type two diabetic if you are pre-diabetic, you can do something about it. And that's through, you know, eating foods that support you, support your body, start moving, get physical exercise is so important. Um, and getting yourself into a weight that supports your body. Okay, so um, and can help support your blood sugar levels. So um, that's all so important. If you are a type two diabetic already, all those things are going to help you as well. So So symptoms are interesting. How do you know you're pre-diabetic? Well, like I said, most people that have pre-diabetes don't even know it. It's that scary statistic. So you're walking around with a a chronic disease, basically, that could, that's a gateway to type 2 diabetes, which is a gateway to other pretty awful chronic diseases, which I'll bring up. And so how do you know? So my symptoms were, you know, when I was overweight and the type of food I was eating, And I guess I wouldn't say I was so overweight, but which I think I do have some of the DNA in my family tree that I'm more susceptible to diabetes and, and more susceptible to those types of things. And so, um, my lifestyle triggered it. And so I was, um, getting really thirsty. I remember at work, I'd get really thirsty. I drink a bunch of water. and Next thing I know within a really short period of time, I was hauling butt to the bathroom because I had to go to the bathroom. And I get really thirsty again. And I was back to the bathroom. And so that's a symptom, definitely of type two diabetes. But in my experience, I was pre-diabetic and that's what I had. And just I, you know, bad sleep and just other things. I just felt off. And so if you haven't been to the doctor and you haven't had any blood work done in a while to test your blood sugar, fasting blood sugar level, or now what they have is a wonderful test called the A1C, get those tests done and, and find out, okay? Um, and if you feel like your lifestyle is leading you, to possibility of being pre-diabetic, start making changes now. It's pretty incredible how some changes you make can um, help that blood sugar level and that insulin resistant level change um, to a much um, healthier level with just doing a few things. So, um, but again, the classic symptoms for type two diabetes are increased thirst, frequent urination, um, excess hunger, being hungry, a lot, Um, fatigue, and actually some blurred vision. Um, So um, oh, the other thing too, it was interesting, um, um, Mayo Clinic mentioned for prediabetes, signs of prediabetes are darkened skin on certain parts of the body. So affected areas can include the neck, armpits, elbows, knees, and knuckles. I didn't have any of those symptoms. So I think it's just really important that you look at your body and, um, kind of do a, you know, from the top of your head scan down and and say, Hmm, how am I feeling? And what is my lifestyle like, you know, can I be possibly creating a chronic illness, um, in me, you know, through my lifestyle habits? So, um, So, yeah. And, um, so again, I mentioned family history, uh, and, um, again, pre-diabetes is when your body doesn't process sugar. It doesn't process sugar glucose properly. And again, most of our sugar and glucose, you know, the sugar, it, it comes from our food, you know? And so that's why we can control a lot by what we eat. So I guess my, my, uh, my addiction to, um, the big box of runts at Rite Aid wasn't helping me at all. <laughs> so I go and buy those and I'd have them down in no time. I'd feel terrible after, but I still didn't make a connection. Probably shouldn't eat those. So anyway, um, things that, uh, um can increase your odds again um, really look at this um within yourself is your weight you know and one thing too I just got so upset with myself I was just really upset that I had allowed this to happen and I got the whip mental whip out and I was just beating myself up and I I was saying gosh why didn't I appreciate myself sooner why did I let this happen you know what it's okay you have. The ability, you know, to to say, "Hey, I'm I'm willing to go on the journey now." I did, you know, lose sight of my health. I lost sight of taking care of me for whatever reason it might be. But I do have the opportunity, you know. So if if you are as I'm as I'm going through this risk factor list, um, say, "Hey, okay, yeah, that's me. Yep, that's me." But just take it as a an opportunity, you know, to. To decide that you want to change um, the way you're treating your body, right? So, weight again, and especially, um, you know, uh, having when you have more fatty tissue, and especially inside and and between the muscle and skin around your abdomen. So, that's visceral fat and it wraps around all your organs and everything. And it's been known to increase. insulin resistance. So if you do have weight and you're carrying it around your stomach and men, if it looks like you're going to have a baby, you probably got insulin resistance. You're not supposed to have that visceral fat there. And it's a sign. It's your body telling you, please, I got something to tell you. We got we, we to make a modification. Okay. So if you're carrying weight around your abdomen, most likely you're pre-diabetic or, or uh, type 2 diabetic um, and you have that visceral fat. Um so waist size, this is very informative too. A larger waist can in- indicate insulin resistance. And um it goes up for men with waists larger than 40 inches and for women with waists larger than 35 inches. So do a check, you know, what's your what's the circumference around your waist? And if if you're at that 40 men 40 inches for men and 35 inches or more for women, then just you know, maybe say, gosh, you know. I may not know, but I probably do have insulin resistance. I should probably go get checked out. Okay. I should probably go get that looked at or start to make some changes. Um, in terms of food, these things help increase your odds to get pre-diabetic is, you know, processed meats, um, drinking sugar, sweetened beverages, eating the runts that I ate all the time. <laughs> um, anyway, um, uh diets high in um if you have diets high in fruits vegetables and nuts whole grains olive oils and those types of foods which are anti-inflammatory risk you know lower lower the risk for prediabetes so again it's those processed foods you know um if you're eating a lot of food out of boxes and stuff like that you know versus um, whole grain foods whole foods whole fruits whole vegetables. Um, you know, organic meats, if you can, you know, um, your body can handle those things better. Uh, More things that give you an increased um, opportunity to have prediabetes, that's also type two is inactivity. So the less active you are, the greater your risk of prediabetes. So um, what I had gotten into was working really long days, eating a lot, um, drinking a lot of coffee, then having sugar, to try and not be tired. And, and then I have this cycle over and over again. And then so I, I and get home, I was too tired, so I ate dinner. And then um, I do some more work to like one in the morning, and I go to bed, and I'd be up at 530 and do it all again. So that's the other thing. Sleep, people with obstructed obstructive sleep apnea, or they don't get enough sleep have risk of insulin resistance. That was me, you know, I wasn't getting enough sleep. Um, you know, again, diabetes can develop at any age, but the a risk of pre-diabetes increases after age 45. However, I was in my late thirties when I was pre-diabetic. So family history, race or ethnicity I'd mentioned, gestational diabetes, um, if you have polycystic ovary syndrome, um, lack of sleep, and if you smoke. All of these things, you know, um, cause distress on the body and then help uh, induce basically prediabetes. Um, the other other things to look at that could make you prediabetic are high blood pressure and then a low, low levels of the good cholesterol being low levels of high-density lipoprotein. Um, And then also if you have high levels of triglycerides. So um, that's where eating, um, you know, again, foods that support your body, support it to function in the way it's designed to will help to alleviate all of that. Um, And the interesting part too, if you have the high blood pressure, low levels of the high density lipoproteins, high levels of triglycerides, then the combination uh, and that occurs with obesity, um, you know, and that's all associated with insulin resistance. And then, that combination of three or more of those things is called a metabolic syndrome. So, meta- metabolics is how your body is functioning. And so, that's one area where you can say, hmm, what's my metabolic panel test result look like? And then, what can I do to help support better numbers? Um, numbers that show that I'm supporting my body, those types of things. So um, the tough love part here too, is the consequences, complications of, you know, prediabetes and then the progression to type two diabetes. So um, prediabetes, again, you can reverse. If you don't reverse it, don't take active steps to reverse it. Then um, then diabetes is a gateway. It's a gateway to high blood pressure, high cholesterol, heart disease, stroke, kidney disease, nerve damage, vision problems, possibly loss of vision, and then also amputations. So when I realized I was pre diabetic, I thought about all that. And I was like, I, I don't, I. I got to figure this out. Uh, That terrified me. You know, I was like, I do not want to live my life like that. And I know I can do something about it. You know, so tough love, tough love Tuesday, you can do something about this. All right. You know, it might not be as fast as you want. Took me four years not knowing what I was doing. But, but the fact is that, you can reverse it. You do not have to have to go on into a chronic disease where you have to have amputations or you lose your eyesight. You don't have to allow that to happen. Okay. Um, So I like to think of it as this. um, um, If you have prediabetes or any of these symptoms, it's your body talking to you and it's saying, hey, see me please see me help me be better be healthy help me be healthy i'm giving you all these signs you know please and um so if you can look at it that way you know the symptoms are 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 a wake up and you're like heck yes i read you i hear you now all right i'm gonna take just i'm gonna take the steps to take care of you body, I promise I'm going to do it, you know, and then it, it's not easy. I'm not going to tell you if you get to a state of pre diabetes, like I did, the, the journey can be challenging. But it's worth it. It is so worth it to figure it out. Okay. Um, the other thing, um, which I did not know this, and I just learned this tonight was pre diabetes has been linked with unrecognized silent heart attacks, and can damage your kidneys, even if you haven't progressed to type two diabetes. And that's from the Mayo Clinic. So again, um, when we can tune in to our symptoms, and if we have symptoms such as these, and we're getting a metabolic panel from our doctor that says this, we can fix it in regards to our behavior and what we eat, we have an opportunity, right? So Anyway, prevention and reversal of, um, pre And then also, you know, to help you, you know, um, uh, depending on where you are, if you are type two diabetic, you would have to talk to your doctor. Um, there's different levels of type two diabetes and some you can literally reverse and have it go into, rem- into remission. Um. Sometimes you might be someone that still needs some insulin, but you can live a healthy, amazing, wonderful life. Okay, so what you're going to want to do is, again, eat foods that support your body. Food is software. Food is information, tells the body to do something. When we eat things um, contrary to what our body can handle, all this dysfunction happens like like your computer, you know, a computer virus or something like that and all this mayhem happens. So figuring out the foods that work for you and support you. Okay, get at least 150 minutes of moderate aerobic exercise. Um, um, about that's about 30 minutes. Um, for most days, that's it. Moderate aerobic exercise for 30 minutes, I think, You can find 30 minutes. (laughs) So, what I've been doing again since COVID, and it's really tough. You know, I'm here all the time. I've, I, my ability to move around and get the, the activity I had before has been challenging. So, now I've challenged myself to three times a day. I go out for, um, for walks and I set the timer 15 minutes. I go out 15 minutes and I come back. Some of those walks are more of a run, an interval run, but, but, I go three times. That's only thirty minutes, fifteen minutes out and back, to get my body moving because I know I've had prediabetes before. I'm susceptible to get it again, and I do not want to have it happen. But I'm sure you can find thirty minutes in your day to get some form walking, um, moderate aerobic activity. Okay, a really good time to do it. What I found too is you know I love having a walk after dinner. You know have dinner um go for a walk it helps it just helps digestion it helps everything blood sugar levels and everything so um the other area to, uh, to help with prevention is to lose the excess weight okay it's not about being a, a physically beautiful person in swimsuit or anything it's about metabolic health okay so losing weight is about your health and feeling good you know, inside your body and be able to be active and do the things you want to do, you know. So if you can look at it from that point of view, and that was the other thing. Once I just was like, forget it. I'm not going to try and compete with anybody else in regards to trying to diet, which is what I always used to do, you know, always used to do that. And then once I just was like, I just want to see what my body can do, you know, and I'm going to get it moving again. I'm going to see. What I can find that's fun to do, and then it was—it wasn't about all this superficial stuff that really, you know, only made me, you know, upset. I guess if that makes sense. So, so lose the excess weight so that you can have a really great metabolic panel and you feel good, and um, you know, you can go on hikes and do all these other things, right? So, um, uh, don't smoke. If you smoke, quit smoking. Okay, don't smoke. That that's going to help a lot. And then again, controlling your blood pressure and your cholesterol. So that's all part of that metabolic panel, and it's really important. So, um, let's see. I thought, um, I think one of the main statistics in the National Diabetes Statistic Report, which was just a bunch of stats, but it's right on their website on the CDC website, but, um. Um, the main thing I saw was, um, overweight and obesity was one of the biggest triggers. Okay. That's just what it is. Um, and so, um, and then, um, high blood pressure, like I said, cholesterol, um, low physical activity and smoking. And let's see, I think I just had a couple other things, which we talked about, Oh, and lastly, um, the two other things Um, costs, money. I said it was going to, this is about finances too. So everything is connected um, and makes our lives, right? So the cost of of being diagnosed as a type 2 diabetic, this was from 2017. The total direct and indirect estimated cost of diagnosed diabetes in the United States in 2017 was $327 billion. Um, the total direct estimated cost of diagnosed diabetes increased from $188 billion in just 2012 to $237 billion in 2017. And you know, so we have a, a big problem, right? And then what they're finding too with COVID nineteen, it loves people that are compromised with diabetes. Okay, so if that's just another concept of why you want to reverse that prediabetes, why you do not want to become type two diabetic, or if you are type two type two diabetic, you want to do something to help your body. Okay. You want to help your body be successful and healthy. All right. Um, so then the other stat was that between 2012 and 2017, excess medical costs per person associated with diabetes increased from $8,417 to ninety nine thousand six hundred one. dollars in, uh, 2017 dollars so if you do become a diabetic type 2 diabetic you can look at and you know you better put money aside every year of upwards of you know nine thousand six hundred dollars so not only is it is it something that's horrible on your body with possible sight vision problem amputations all of those other things it's going to tax your budget and it's also taxing the government budget, you know, it's, it's something that's basically um, crippling, crippling us. Okay. So I did want to briefly talk again about the, the growing epidemic with uh, type 2 diabetes in kids. Again, type 2 diabetes was used to only be diagnosed in in midlife or older adults, and now kids are getting it. Okay, so there's something amiss that, you know, kids shouldn't be getting type two diabetes or pre diabetes. So again, it's a lot of the same reasons as sedentary lifestyle. Um, I get, oh, I get up on my soapbox about the food that's marketed to kids, um, these supposed healthy cereals, all this boxed food, processed foods, all of this that has no nutritional value, and their poor bodies can't deal with it. You know, we used to say, oh, when I was a kid, I could eat all that stuff, you know, reality is no, your body's not meant to, to get deluged with all this sugar and, and, um, you know, processed chemical laden foods, the cells don't know what to do with that. Okay, so, so for kids, getting pre diabetes at such young ages, you know, is actually it's, it's horrible. Um, so, um, they've got a statement here. Um, it's pretty, yeah, sadly, it's very similar, you know, same reasons, sedentary lifestyle, activity levels, um, food, food choices. Um, it's really important to get the kids moving as important for you to be moving. You know, um, we as adults, if we have kids, we can be really great examples for our kids. You know, get out, go for those walks. You know, be active versus sitting in front of the TV a lot. Um, and um, so, um, if we think about it, I had heard as well, and I can't remember exactly um, when I was doing a lot of volunteer work for the American Diabetes Association. I'd heard a statistic that you know we're at a point now where where kids are dying before their parents because of diabetes because of type two diabetes. So, so anyway, the tough love today is that um, prediabetes is a a huge growing problem, which leads to uh, type two diabetes, which is a crippling disease that you know, nobody, nobody should have, because, you know, both of them are lifestyle, lifestyle, habit, diseases. Okay. So my challenge to you is if you (laughs) think that you have it, or if you do have it, say, Okay, that's it. I'm going to be like, Tracy, I'm going to figure it out. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to let this turn into type two diabetes, because I'm not going to be one of those statistics. And I do not want to invest $9,600 a year be on insulin and drugs and doctor appointments. I'd rather go on these great vacations, you know, I, you know, make a commitment to you, your body, that you're not going to let that happen. And, and then switch that commitment and say, Hey, I'm going to figure it out, but you know what? I'm going to have a fun time figuring it out. I'm going to have a great time figuring out my body. What makes it work best? What makes it feel good? What foods make it feel awful? All of those things. Okay. So and and if you have kids that are battling with it, there are great. Um, there's you know a lot of guilt and um, embarrassment can come around being diabetic, type two diabetic, because it is something that is is lifestyle habit, and um, and you think about kids, and you know they were talking about they can get pretty depressed, you know, as well as adults. You know, because it is, um, you know, judgment can be placed on someone. You know, and um, again, I get it. I was there, and so if if you can make it a fun discovery and say, "Oh my gosh, look at this! We got to make some changes." And there's support out there. There, there's um, lots of wonderful websites. The American Diabetes Association, uh, the Center for Disease Control um, has great links. Um, the, the UNC Health Talk has great information um, to get support. And, um, and then uh, I think the best part for me was, and then I'll, I'll conclude tonight, was once I, I stopped blaming and I stopped shaming myself and I started to look at opportunity and made it fun and just started to figure out cause and effect. I ate this, I felt like that. Oh my gosh, I ate this. I went into a comb. I wanted to go to sleep. So why is that? I shouldn't feel like that after I eat. Okay. Oh, I ate this. My heart rate goes way up. Okay. All right. Take note. And just have it be, you know, a non-judgmental discovery. And then eventually you will figure it out. And your brain will be worried, your brain's gonna be scared. You know, I've said this before and other on other broadcasts when I started modifying my um, my food intake. Yeah. For solutions was, you know, food intake. My brain swore I was going to starve to death, you know. So there was that little bit of tough love for my brain having to learn we're not going to starve because we're eating you know, the portion sizes we should. And we're not being punished because we're eating portion sizes that are appropriate for us. It's not about that. It's about how are we supporting ourselves? How are we supporting our bodies versus hurting them by overeating and, and things like that. And, and so getting your brain to to, to realize that the change is actually going to be actually pretty great um, is good. So um, it, yeah, once you find out if you are, or if you want to prevent becoming pre-diabetic and you have some of the symptoms I talked about is acceptance. All right. You're where you are today. Okay. figure out Hmm, how did I get here? What do I think are things that I did or things like that and not in a judgmental way, but Hey, what were the things that I've been doing? What have I been eating? How have I been doing those things, accept it, then honor your body and yourself, and then decide to make a difference. So again, um, you can learn more about yourself and and how to get through things like that with my book, Your Personal Journey with Food. You can get it, um, gosh, on Amazon now, and then all other places, you can order it. Um, From most places, you buy books, you can order the book now. And then also, I thought, um, I tell you, I have created some new programs. And so, yeah, so um, to learn about my my newer coaching programs and some of my pricing, head on over to my website, tracycromwell.com. I think there's a drop down link called Work With Me, and you can see those there. And um, again, I've been there. <laughs> I, I've been there. And so I, I understand if you're wanting to make changes like I did, um, I, I can help you through it um, and completely get the process. And so um, head on over there if you'd like to learn more about that and um, or private message me. But um, you can do something about it. You can change your stars and and live an incredible life. Okay, so have a great night. And I'll talk to everybody later. Okay, take care. Your health will transform when you learn that your health matters. Knowledge is power when it comes to your health, which is why I am excited and eager to share this vital resource with you. When you sign up for my newsletter, you will be exposed to an entirely new way of looking at your health. Far too many people are unaware of what it takes to create a life filled with optimal health. And in each newsletter that is delivered in your inbox, you will be immersed into strategies that will create your ideal life. In addition, here is an important quote that motivates me daily. When you have your health, you have 1000 dreams. And when you don't have your health, you have one. I want to enable you and all of the people you care about most to dream again. And my team and I will do this by putting your health first. Once you sign up for my newsletter, you will begin receiving a newsletter from my office every other week. This resource is absolutely packed with value, and we are excited to see what you think. Be sure to click on the Health Matters link in the podcast comments to sign up. And remember, your health matters. Hello, I hope you enjoyed this recent podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Be sure to seek professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional as this podcast is not a substitute for their professional care. Be sure to seek out a qualified medical practitioner that is right for you. And be sure to create a supportive team of licensed and certified care practitioners, health coaches and trainers that can help you make the lifestyle changes you desire.